Welcome to NDTR Spotlight, the corner of the internet where NDTR shine. I'm your host, Marie Lorraine. Guys, today I'm really excited. I'm always excited for a podcast, but this one, I felt like it was fate that I had to interview and spotlight this well-deserving individual. I was scrolling through in- through LinkedIn and I saw her post celebrating her passing the NDTR exam, having her CPC certified personal trainer credential and starting her own private practice. And then after I saw that post, commented on it, reposted it on our LinkedIn um, NDTR page, Amanda, an NDTR who we had spotlighted, reached out to me and nominated her. So two times over, she was meant to be on this podcast. And so a little bit about her. Her name is Brianna. She has her bachelor's of science in dietetics and is finishing up a master's degree in nutritional science in December. Again, she's a nutritionist, dietetic technician, and a certified personal trainer. And This is definitely a podcast to listen to if you're interested in private practice and seeing what you can do as an NDTR. Brianna started a private practice prior to finishing school. So such an exciting and encouraging story that she's going to share and she's ready to share all of her secrets with us and hopefully encourage you if that's something you're interested in. And then just to hear a little bit more of her heart. Her father was a chef. She grew up in a kitchen and if not my words, but hers, she says the kitchen feels intuitive rather than clinical. So it sounds like she has such a healthy mindset around food and such a rich history of food. She was also a vegan and no no longer vegan, but she has just this great knowledge. And I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing spotlight. So let's open up our ears and hear and learn from everything Brianna has for us. Brianna, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yes. I, yeah, super thrilled. LinkedIn and a nomination. I'm so excited to hear your story and how you got to where you are now. Um, And so, but first let's start with just how you found out about the NDTR credential. So it was actually through Amanda Kennedy, who is the NDTR that's been on here before with WIC. I've done a lot of shadowing with her because WIC is my dream to also achieve my um, dietitian credential. And so I did a lot of shadowing with her over the past year. And then I saw NDTR on her wall because she has it framed (laughs) in a little diploma frame. And I asked her about the credential. And then I asked my director, Dr. Lang at UGA, and just kind of curious, like what it does for you, what can it do for me and my business? And basically it was like, you know, it's a small cohort of not like mid-level experts in nutrition, and it'll help kind of jumpstart you and kickstart you into the field of nutrition before you get your, if you want to get your dietitian credential. And, um, so yeah, I just talked to my director and she said that she really recommends it, especially if I want to work for WIC, because it'll make me look hopefully like a really good applicant. Like I know what I'm talking about and that that was enough for me. I was like, okay, you think I should do it? Then I'm going to do it because she's been such a great mentor, both Amanda and my professor, Dr. Lang. And so I just trusted that they knew what they were talking about. Ah, uh, I love that she had it on display. I remember I following her on Instagram. She has her name and then she had a plaque with NDTR. Sometimes you just got to show off that credential and you have no idea who's going to see it and be inspired and ask more questions about it. So that that's encouraging. And so you mentioned when you were getting advice for getting the NDTR credential, how it'd be good for your business. So let's dive right into that. And so you had said that you started your private practice before you had completed school. So kind of Tell us how that developed and and what made you want to even do that. 
Yeah. So it's been a dream of mine to do my own private practice, but I always thought it had to be like 10 years down the road. And so I was disappointed with that because I'm, I'm a, you know, more of a go-getter and I want to do things now that really excite me. And I just decided, okay, well, I've got the time now. So I'm just going to do a bunch of informational interviews and just gather as much information as I can, because I know the nutrition stuff, but I don't know any of the business stuff. And so I actually sat down with Stacey Belcher, who's a registered dietitian that specializes in eating disorders, who is also a research professional at my college, UGA. And when I was sitting and chatting with her, she's like, what are you doing? Just start now. And I was like, can I do that? <laughs> and I was like, I, cause we talked extensively in class about scope of practice and ethics. So I never wanted to breach anything. And she was like, no, like you can you know, not preach, but you can educate in the public domain, basically anything to do with my plate or healthy eating or budgeting, like that is all within your realm, you know, don't jump into lab values or anything like that, because it's more dietitian, but she said, you can stay within your scope and trust yourself. If something feels wrong, then step back and stick to your ethics and stuff. But she says, I mean, it's going to take time to build. So just start right now, because then when you are ready with that dietitian credential, then you can have it. And so as soon as that informational interview was over, I reached out to my director, Dr. Lang, who's literally almost been my best friend during my entire college experience. And I was like, can I do this? Is this legal? Like, I don't want to break any rules. I'm such a rule follower. And she was like, you know, I can't preach to any legal legalities or ethics or anything like that, but here's what the rules state. And so, you know, you can definitely do it. And the NDTR credential will also help prove to your clients that like, I am credentialed to like educate in the public domain. And so I was like, okay, you know, I don't need this credential, but I want to have my clients trust in me that I, you know, went the step ahead and went an additional step to prove that my education has given me the ability to help them like they want me to help them. And so, yeah, after that, I continue to educate myself in private practice. I found out that UGA has a law clinic that actually helps you start your LLC which was extremely helpful because I don't know anything about that. And so they helped me register my LLC. And then I just had to wait a few weeks. And then after that, I was officially professionally nourished LLC, which was an insane feeling. <laughs> that is so awesome. And I love how you approached it by asking for advice from people who have like people who know the field. And I totally relate. And I think a lot of NDTRs, it's like this fear of Am I going outside of my scope? Because we have respect for dietitians and we also have respect for ourselves, but then we need to figure out like, what can we actually do? And there's a lot you can do even without the credential you're mentioning before you even had the credential, there's things you can do in that realm and that NDTR, like a lot of people have said, it just gives you confidence and proof that like, no, I, I know what I'm talking about and I can do, I can do the things. And so kind of going with that, how did you, you mentioned that they instilled the confidence that you can do certain things, but mm -hmm. what, what switched it for you? Did you look into the literature? Did you read things or have you, how did you define your scope? Cause the scope can be broad and there's certain things that every individual is good at. So mm -hmm. how did you define yours for nutritionally nourished? Um, so is that nourished, sorry, <laughs> but it was actually your podcast. And so I like all of the times that you outlined NDTR scope of practice, or even just student scope of practice, I watched, I read, like I did as much on the Academy website, like I could, I read so much, but there still wasn't a lot, like sadly, and it was still so confusing. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I was just 
trying to trust my gut that my education and my program at UGA had really instilled proper ethics and proper knowledge of scope of practice. And one, like the phrase that really helped that Dr. Lang said was preaching or educating nutrition advice available in the public domain. And as a peer nutrition educator, we really covered that extensively over the year of that internship because we did one-on-one -on -one nutrition advisements and you were allowed to, you know, educate on my plate or how to find, you know, ways to balance your plate or how to budget out your time and your money or how to, you know, cook the certain meal. We did food demos, but you didn't want to say, oh, you're vitamin C deficient. Well, you know, take the supplement. Like, you know, that's crossing the line just a little bit. And I think that internship really helped define that so that when I was doing research, I had a tangible way to remember back on to then understand like if I was breaching scope of practice. And I have a niche population I'd love for professionally nourished to grow into, but I think that'll grow into the itself when I also develop into my dietitian role. So right now it's really the general population, general healthy population and kind of helping them balance or, you know, plan ahead or recipe ideas. Cause a lot of online is just convoluted with information, confusing information, incorrect information. And so I am an affordable way for them to be able to save time and just be like, hey, this is my goal. I would love this help. And I wanted my business to be a one-stop shop, which is also why I got the certified personal trainer. Cause I was like, okay, fitness and, and nutrition go hand in hand. So I want to help you with both. I don't want to send you somewhere else and then have to also pay for me essentially. Yeah, that was okay. That was a lot of stuff. Let's dissect everything that you just gave us there. So the first, the first thing I, I want to just say, I love that, that niche that you mentioned. I think that's a great niche for, for most um, NDTRs because it's that one-stop shop. And I think the mission and my heart, at least for NDTRs is that we are decreasing the misinformation of nutrition that's out there. And NDTRs can do that because we're doing that great general education. Mm -hmm. And I like that you said having confidence in the, in the education that you've received. And so you mentioned an internship. And so in the dietetics world, when people hear internship, they immediately think dietetic internship or the DTR internship, but you had a very different experience and you kind of talked about it a little bit, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit more in detail about it, um, what you did and then how that experience was really helping you with the confidence to do that private practice that you've started. Yeah, so at UGA specifically in the dietetics program, you have to take a practicum. So that can be semester long or year long, but it usually is in your senior year, junior year, depending on how you're developing in the program. And it's just a way for you to go out and shadow or intern or just actually see the field in some way. So a lot of people work in clinical and like at the fellow hospitals in Athens, or some people work in food service. Some people work with even, I think we have like, um, some sort of television person that also does food demos. So they like are their right hand woman or man. So I decided to be a peer nutrition educator, but with that, you have to interview and there are applicants and Catherine Ingerson, who is the RD on campus does a lot of the interviewing. And then also one of the dietitians at the health center is her like a her co basically. And after the interview process, six are selected around five to six. And then after that, you're a peer nutrition educator and you represent three distinct departments at the university. And so that is the health center, that is dining services, and that's nutritional sciences. 
And so representing all those departments means a lot of rules that you have to follow, especially when doing interviews and, you know, conducting one-on-one -on -one advisements with students, but your main role is to educate your peers. And so you do webinars for, you know, sorority houses on how they can choose healthy plates with, you know, the meals that they are provided in the sorority house, which can be very difficult, or, you know, someone with a gluten allergy doesn't know how to navigate the dining hall, so we can even do dining hall tours for them. And then we've also done webinars for teachers that's continuing education credit and so how they can meal prep for a week for lunches for work. And it even went on to one on one advisements with students, which is what I felt really made me comfortable with my private practice is because we were um, watched by the dietitian, so they were on Zoom with us while we helped this, um, the student, but and they chipped in if they needed to or chipped in even if we reached our scope of practice, which is really helpful to kind of have that in mind. Um, but basically students would come to us and say, I'm, they're, they're really stressed, they don't know how to eat healthy and they feel like their food is just making them more stressed. And so you'd spend time for an hour, an hour and a half, you know, saying, hey, well, here's some ways that we've learned can, you know, reduce stress that can be exercising or healthy eating. And here's how you can healthy eat with my plate. Cause my plate was like the Bible for nutrition educators. Yeah. So we really shared that like every single second we could. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's a great experience that I love that your school had that program built in and just doing it. A lot of times imposter syndrome comes when you first start and it's like, can I, can I do these things? And so just getting out there and actually doing them makes a big difference. And so that one-on-one -on -one counseling is where you found, found your passion, as you were saying, which is so, so exciting. And so now your niche is more general population, general health, mm -hmm. but do you have, what do you desire to begin to focus on? Or are you kind of just letting your niche grow organically? My dream is women and children, which is why I want to work for WIC to also achieve my dietitian credential to get just experience in that, you know, field with those patients. But my dream is to help prenatal mothers and then they give birth to their babies and I help them with postnatal nutrition. But then I also help that child's nutrition from zero to 18. So I want to be your practitioner that you've been seeing for the last 18 years. And I want to help feel your child for soccer practice, for band practice, or they're not sleeping very well. What can I do to help, you know, nourish my child while their bodies are naturally craving more glucose? Um, and how do I, you know, get the proper nutrition to fuel my body for the next pregnancy? So that is my dream, <laughs> but that is very far down the road because of the credentialing and also just education and the natural experience I want to gain with hopefully like working through WIC. But that is my absolute dream is to just work with women and children and raise the next generation of healthy individuals and adults because I'm more about preventative action rather than putting the band-aid on the issue. And so I would love to just like actually instill healthy eating practices, especially with children and making a family garden so that the kids can learn how, how the, like the fruits and vegetables grow and get interested in them and love the colors that they create and they had like took part in gardening with. And so that is my number one dream, but I realized that that'll take time. <laughs> that or maybe a little bit, but it sounds like you're, you're on the right path and you're setting that foundation now. So it might happen sooner than you think, but that is, is such an admirable goal to have. I think a lot of people in the field think WIC is like, okay, mm, not the funnest thing to do, but you're right. There's so much to it. And then, I mean, at least in my experience, when we see people coming in for nutrition consultations, it's because they're overweight or they have diabetes. So they're already at that space and that spot, but it happens when they're like kids, <laughs> like that's when these, these habits develop and 
parents don't know how to feed their children and they don't know how to feed themselves. And it's just this terrible cycle. So, I mean, I love a family having a a nutritionist, you know, like this is the family nutritionist. Let's see what they have to say. And then being able to grow up with somebody or watch them grow complicated nutrition though, for sure. Pediatric nutrition. (laughs) Oh, it's a lot of, a lot of continuing education in specific niches and specific realms. But I, you know, a lot of nutrition education is relied on the coaches for the students or for the children or the teacher that like maybe had one health class that they needed to, you know, teach for. And so it's like, nothing's reliable and nothing is set in stone. And a lot of coaches like drink chocolate milk after practice why you know and so the kids don't understand but they're that's their mentor growing up and so I just want to actually be the person that is there like they're excited to go see the nutritionist you know they get fun avocado squish toys or something and then they also <laughs> can learn how to feel better and how to you know fuel for sports and be excel in those sports and then also just like the mom can take the stress off of you know I can recipe or meal plan for her and then help her grocery shop because part of my packages now is, you know, I can FaceTime them in the grocery store to be like, Hey, this is what you can, you know, this is the ground beef I was talking about. It's leaner. Lean meat is, you know, better than higher fat meat, stuff like that. And so that's like the one-stop shop mentality I'm trying to have as I slowly build. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I think you're thinking outside of the box and I think that's a great future for dietetics. And I'd love to see that actually happen. I work with pediatrics, Um, and I mean, I see 12 year olds who want to lose weight and they're not overweight. And so there's just so much stuff that if you can get in there when they're growing and just help them with body positivity and eating healthy, you're going to change a lot of lives. So, so I'm going to be following you just to see how you progress with that. Cause I think that is a huge need, huge need in this country. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit more too. So you talk about your, your experience in school and the knowledge you have, everybody has a different upbringing and the diversity conversation and all that stuff is very big in food. There's a big cultural component to food. So no matter what you learn, you're always going to bring a part of yourself into your practice. And you, you mentioned that your dad was a chef in, in the form you filled out before this podcast and how you grew up in the kitchen and how food service was just felt natural to you. So how does that experience that you bring that's unique to the table affecting your your goals and your aspirations and in your field of dietetics as a ndtr currently yeah so my dad but we originally from illinois we moved here to georgia when i was six and before we moved here to georgia he owned his own restaurant for over 20 years and it was a very stereotypical italian you know restaurant and that's the way i grew up was very stereotypical italian And then we moved here and by we, I mean my parents and then my six other siblings. So there are seven of us. Wow, that's a big family. <laughs> yeah, one big Italian family for sure. And, and he was a stay-at-home dad at first, but then went back into the kitchen and being the executive chef at various um, kitchens. And he even did a little stint at the Culinary Institute just because he wanted to broaden his skills. And so I definitely remember that part of my childhood because the freezer was always stuffed with chocolate eclairs and carved pumpkins. And <laughs> good childhood. <laughs> it was um, learning how to everything in moderation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I absolutely love growing up that way. And that's really how 
I learned my love for food and he was so excited when I went vegan for that stint because then it could give him more creative outlets and he was so excited to try new cuisines and stuff like that and he always just talked about how he's like I just love when my kids watch me cook and so I would watch him make eggs and then I'd watch him you know make fresh pizza and stuff like that and so that's really how we learned to just trust because to my mom it's I have to measure out exactly all of the ingredients in each thing to my dad it's put what you feel, you know, don't measure and don't do this. Like, yes, cooking is a science, but it's also your, your creativity and it's what you feel. And that's kind of where I gravitate to. Um, and so then I worked, I've had, you know, five, six years food service experience. I've worked in the event industry where the chef loved me. Cause he could tell that I had like a very, you know, Italian kitchen background and he just trusted me. And that was really nice. And I've worked in, um, you know, even ice cream food service and stuff like that. So it just has always been intuitive, like how to prepare food, how to create food. Like it's all this creative process. And all the while, my mom is actually a neonatal nurse practitioner. And so she's very analytical to the T, you know, math, like very detail oriented. So I always joke that I kind of took both my parents' professions and kind of combined <laughs> them, them perfectly. Yeah. 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 So I have, you know, just the food and the love and like the, just the ability to recipe create for my clients and stuff like that, because I understand like that would be so delicious, but Hey, instead of sour cream, let's switch out Greek yogurt. Cause it tastes exactly the same, but it's, you know, has more protein and less calories and stuff like that. Um, and then I'm able to handle the books or the accounting and stuff like that for my mom being so detail oriented. And yeah, I kind of just created both of those. And they not only has my education prepared me for my job and my career and stuff like that, but my background makes me comfortable and confident that, you know, I can do it because my parents are doing it, you know, and they are my biggest cheerleaders. Yeah. And you've seen it done and you're right. That is like the perfect combination because science nutrition is, it's like a science of estimation. Like you, mm-hmm. you calculate calories, you calculate protein, but it's all kind of like a, an estimation. So you have to have a little bit of like, okay, well, it's not concrete. You don't have to be so tight with it. There's some creativity in it. So that, that is, and then the recipe development just to be able to know how to switch things out. And that kind of brings in the conversation again, let's dive deeper into that cultural conversation that diversity Mm -hmm. conversation, dealing with different clients. And then a lot of times people are frustrated when they go to a nutritionist because they feel like their cultural food is not healthy. And so you have this great experience growing up in an Italian family, enjoying that Italian food. And now you have this nutrition component with it. So have you been in a situation or do you anticipate being in situations where you have a client who has culturally different food preferences and how do you approach that? Yeah, I have not currently experienced any kind of, you know, client coming to me with cultural frustrations, but I do anticipate that happening. And I'm excited for that to happen because I've done so much research and also just webinars in my community nutrition class on how frustrating my plate can be. And obviously we loved it for, you know, pre-nutrition educators and all that. And I still do show it to my clients, but also it shows you how to be healthy in a typical American way. It doesn't have any kind of lentils or like it doesn't have anything that's cultural like you know if you have a typical Indian cuisine and that is your cultural background and that is how you know you are growing up you think you're unhealthy because it doesn't look like my plate that is so frustrating that is so you know just disheartening to think that oh like my culture doesn't you know go to these norms and it doesn't look like it should so I have to change and then we're all going to look the same we're all going to eat exactly the same because that's what the government is 
showing us and no no hate to the government but basically we just need more research and more development in this field of okay here's some people do eat this way you know if you maybe my, my mom grew, grew up eating this typical my plate way because that was her family background mm -hmm. but here's also how to eat healthy with typical Indian cuisine or Asian cuisine or Hispanic cuisine because you know that is necessary and some cultures don't eat meat and yes we're we're going into more vegetarian friendly ways into the dietary guides of Americas, but also a lot of people aren't aware of the DGA. A lot of people aren't aware of my plate and they are being told by their medical doctors who had maybe one nutrition class in med school five years ago that they're, they're not eating healthy, mm -hmm. figure it out. And so it's very frustrating for me and maybe <laughs> you can see how passionate I am about it, but I'm very excited for clients to come to me and I don't want, I don't wish, you know, that frustration on them, but I'm excited to be the release and the like relief from that problem because I want to show them how they, how they can be healthy eating the way they grew up, eating the way that feels comfortable to them, because why would you want to make someone uncomfortable with something they have to do multiple times a day and that's eat. Breathe. Yes. A hundred percent, Brianna. You are on a, you're on a, oh, I love it. I love everything you're saying. I'm eating all it up. And I love that the, my plate is, is beneficial, but yeah, you're right. It's the standard American diet. And so America is such a big melting pot. And so just knowing how to take that frame and, you know, put it to each cuisine is, you know, going to be so beneficial for any, any and everybody. And just makes you feel like you can enjoy something you're doing again, like you said, multiple times a day. Yeah. yeah. Very well said, very well articulated. It sounds like you've been doing a lot of thinking about this and I love that you're progressive in your education in it as well. There's definitely anybody can learn about different cultures and, and anyone can talk to any culture. It just, you have to have that passion, that heart, and then take time to understand, <laughs> to understand the frustrations that might be there. So I'm excited for you to be able to you know, help people with the, that challenge because you sound like you're very qualified to be able to do that for them. And Thank so you. speaking of the clients, how, so you, we talked about kind of your setup, your background, and then you got your LLC. Mm -hmm. How is it going? How is the, how is the private practice going? How are you getting clients? Tell us a little bit of the frustrations and maybe some of the wins that you've had. Yeah. So uh, I officially got my LLC, I think late April of this year. And then I didn't start like marketing or accepting clients or anything until after finals. Cause I wasn't trying to be mean to myself. Smart, smart. <laughs> yeah. And so I, it was about, you know, at the end of May that I started like, okay, let's hit the ground running. Let's market. Let's see, build on my social media presence. And luckily um, through college, I actually had the same Instagram account, but it was called collegiately nourished. And it was made from a nutrition curriculum that I had to create for class. And basically we had to create a social media campaign and mine was for college age women to educate them on nutrition, to reduce stress. And so that was called collegiately nourished. And I always joked with my roommates, like when I become a dietitian or a nutrition expert, I'm going to just like change this when I graduate to professionally nourished. But little did I know that actually be my business name. <laughs> and so it worked out and it was like a natural birth of basically this business. And so I had a good following on that account just because after that assignment, I loved it. And I just created posting my recipes and my pictures of my food because it was also when I was vegan. So I was just like crazy into different vegetable recipes, which was like really what I guess the space on Instagram needed at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and so in May, basically I started, I printed a bunch of business cards and I continued posting and I like followed a bunch of accounts on how to create like content planners. And then I did 
So once the social media stuff was done, which is kind of more fun for me because it's creative, then I had to put that aside and figure out what EMR am I going to use and how am I going to take payments and how do I have to, like, how do I do taxes? Do I charge them taxes and stuff like that? And that was uncomfortable. And there were a lot of growing pains for that. Cause I was just like, I don't want to do it wrong. Like my biggest fear in life is just doing something wrong, which we're all going to make mistakes, but I was just, you know, in a frenzy. And so I um, talked to Stacey Belcher again, who was the dietitian that really got me on the path of starting. And I was like, cause she has her own private practice. And I was like, how did you do it? Like, what thing do you use? What, um, for EMR, what, how do you take payments? You know, do you charge them taxes? You know, how did you figure out your rate? And can you tell us what EMR is for our audience, just in case they don't know? Yeah, so it's electronic medical record. And I didn't know what EMR stands for until <laughs> right now, actually. So sorry for, for getting my old self. <laughs> and, um, but so you can use DoxyMe, which is free always. And I considered that, but I didn't find the interface very user-friendly for me personally. So I use Practice Better, which you do have to pay for. But I found that it was very like one-stop shop, which is kind of my like you know, MO. And so I can, you know, schedule on there. I can take payments through there. You can even do zoom calls instead of the one that's instead of like the video feature that's on practice better. So I think I just thought it helped kind of more for my personality and my business. Mm -hmm. So I chose practice better. And then I take payments through Stripe because there's like two different companies that you can use, or even you can do um, business Venmo, which is a little bit less in um, how much they charge like you basically, because you have that little fee. But I just decided to keep all things integrated because I didn't want to have, oh, I have to check this. I have to check this. I have to check this. I didn't want to do that to myself just starting out because there's so much you have to remember. Mm -hmm. And then after I had all that figured out, I needed to create a website and get my own domain and make sure it was available. Like my one thing is I wanted everything professionally nourished. I didn't want the professionally nourished or be professionally nourished. I didn't want it kind of all piecewise. And that took me forever to make a website, but I loved it. That is a creative outlet. And at my program at UGA, you're actually required to make a digital portfolio. So I'd already had experience creating a website mm -hmm. and it has all my, you know, undergrad work and nutrition and shadowing experience and all that. So I kind of just like copy and pasted that picture in my head onto my website. And after that, everything was like set up and I just needed to get people in the door, which I was like, how do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Foundations there. Where are the people? <laughs> yeah. I listened to a lot of podcasts and they were like, I just expected, you know, once everything was set up and I launched my website, someone would click contact me and then you'd have a client, but no, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> Good to know. And, yeah. And so I just listened to more podcasts, um, especially pursuing private practice They're on Instagram and their podcast. I listened to them religiously just because I was like, okay, how do you suggest marketing? You are obviously a successful business. They're also anti-diet dietitian. So they have a very strong ethics in dietetics and nutrition, which I appreciate. And they're talking about warm leads and cold leads and warm leads are basically your personal connections that are more likely going to get you clients because people already trust you. You know, it's easy to get people in your door when they already have that trust where cold leads are, you know, you send out an email to a random field of people and you're like, Hey, be my client. They have, they don't trust you. They know nothing about you other than that fact that you're a business. Um, so that's a little more difficult just because they don't have that human factor there. Yeah. And so I just basically advertised myself to my own friends and my partner's friends and stuff like that. So my first client, I did pro bono because I was like, okay, I'm not going to make you pay for me figuring things out. <laughs> and so 
I basically reached out to my sister-in-law who's pregnant with their third baby and then my partner's friend and I was like I want you know the prenatal and then I'll help the child with nutrition and then your general advisement and that'll get my like my groundwork in. So I started doing, you know, stuff with them and I was okay with giving my time away for free because that was another thing I received advice on from in my informational interviews was you're going to have to give a lot away for free because that's just what you do when you're starting and you're learning, which I was okay with, you know, I'm 21 years old. And so I have time <laughs> to learn and to sacrifice things before I'm like, okay, I really need to start, you know, charging for things. And so I was just learning. And then one day my business cards finally came in. They were a month late and they got lost. But I was like, finally, I have my business cards. And so I took them to my banker that helped me set up my business bank account. Cause she said, Hey, bring your cards in. When you come in, you know, I'd love to just put them on my desk. And when I came in, she was like, Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Our bank teller has been saying how he really is interested in a nutritionist because he, you know, is a big gym rat, but he just needs some help in the nutrition way. And let me introduce you. So I introduced myself and he was my first paying client. Like it just, all the stars aligned. And that was just like, like a warm lead basically, because it was from a referral that someone trusted me. And I would have never brought like going, I was like, eh, do I need to go to the bank? Like, really, am I going to get anyone from the bank? But I was like, listen, go everywhere you can market everywhere you can. I'm marketing at my gym saying if, you know, new members want a free consultation with me, I'm going for it um, and stuff like that. But that's kind of how I started once the LLC was official. And so it's just been two, two or three months ish, two and a half months of doing exactly that. Once I figured out all the logistics with the EMR and how I'm going to charge people and looking up other people's prices and then going on to marketing and writing blog posts and also scrolling on Instagram being like, okay, what are people hearing that's wrong? And what are people enjoying that's correct? Or um, stuff like that, that I'm really just trying to absorb. And then I'm like, okay, how do I make that Brianna? How do I make that professionally nourished? Yeah, that sounds, that was a lot of great nuggets. And <laughs> yeah, sorry, it was a lot. <laughs> no, no, I love that you gave all that. It was so much wisdom and just in everything you explained in the process. I like that you took it step by step by step. And that idea of giving away some time for free, I think is really important. And I mean, in this field, we're not a stranger to being interns, right? And like giving away things for free generally. So why not do it when you're building your own business? Like that just, that's a great, um, that was a great piece of advice for someone starting out. Like you don't have to give away some time, some things for free, and then you will get those paying clients. And then just the research on the Instagram and the social media, and you mentioned blogs too. So you said the warm and the cold where does social media post and the blog post, where does that fall into gaining clients for you? Mm -hmm. And so one thing I thought going in that I was later, you know, realized was incorrect was I thought all my clients are going to come from social media because especially I'm hundred percent virtual business. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get them everywhere, whatever, you know, I'm going to gain all these people. They're all going to DM me but those are all cold leads. They don't trust you. And yeah, they're getting a little bit of your social media posts and your information. Maybe they really like what you're putting out there, but they also, they're not your best friend. You know, they're another person on the internet. And I learned that through the Pursuit Room Private Practice podcast. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I got to also put in a lot of, like a lot of effort into the people that are in my social circle right now, which is how I was able to gain my current clients. So I was like, okay, 
who can I tangibly go see right now? But in terms of social media, that's how you just educate people. And that's what we're here for is just to, you know, as, as nutrition students, NDTRs, dietitians, just to educate the masses on proper nutrition. And so some of my social media posts and like my sister helped me realize this is like, okay, you know, sometimes you make goofy, funny ones because that attracts people. And then when they come to your page, they see all the nutrition information you have on there. Like the serious, not the serious ones, but the more educational or informational that may not have gotten, gotten as many hits or, you know, likes on it, but it's there. Some people come in and they're attracted to your page. They can now binge watch, like watch and scroll on all of the information you have for them. And so kind of that taught me to, you know, mix up my page and make stuff that was really dense in information, but also just really fun or simple. And it was a coffee pour and like honoring people's rituals and stuff like that. And then saying, hey, but I also have this, you know, plethora of information. And then I also try to show my face a lot on my stories or even on some of the goofy posts because I'm like, I'm a real person behind this page. A lot of it is food pictures or recipes and stuff, but I'm a, I'm a, you know, a human behind here and I can feel for your struggles and what you need. And, you know, I'm here to be your nutrition best friend. And that's what I preach on my website as well. So I really try to use it to be like, hi, professionally nourished is here. Here's something funny and quirky and cute. And then that'll attract you to all the information I can provide you, the services I can provide you. Or if you're just looking to scroll, like at least learn something in the process. I really like that that perspective you have with social media of it kind of almost being like a civil duty for, for DTRs to you know put out the correct content. Because it's amazing how many clients I talk to and they're like, Oh, I follow this dietitian or this NDTR and it's just online. And I'm like, I hope they're good. And so, you know, you just want to make sure it's like, so it's, it's nice when people are nutritionists and NDTRs are putting out good content that I can be like, okay, yeah, it's okay. You can follow them. They're, they're putting out good stuff for you to follow through. So you also have your certified personal trainer credential. And so we would be admiss if we did not talk a little bit about that. And you said you wanted to get it because it would make you a little bit wider in your scope and what you can do. How is that kind of added to your um, practice? Um, so I got that at the very end of June. And so my summer has been busy because it was three weeks of studying for that three weeks of studying for the NDTR exam, which I wouldn't recommend to anyone. <laughs> but <laughs> It's over. So it's fine. But um, so I was you know, just kind of thinking about it, playing around with it, because I've been listening to a lot of certified personal trainer podcasts. Basically, I commute to UGA. And so I have like a two and a half hour drive on school days. Mm -hmm. So podcasts are my best friend, and I'm just absorbing as much information as I can. And so they were talking about how just like the different aspects of exercise and muscle groups. And you, you learn a little bit about that when you're in your dietetics program with anatomy one and two. But there's a lot that I was missing and a lot that I was like, I would just love to learn more about this. And so I did a bunch of research for CPT programs and it was like Memorial Day. So they're having a big sale on their, you know, tests and study materials and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm going for it because I want, I have some, some of my paying clients and some of my free clients that are like, Hey, you know, uh, I'm doing weightlifting every Tuesday or whatever. And this is what I ate that day. But I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I don't think that's enough that you're eating, but I wanted to be able to educate myself before I was like, Hey, let's alter this. Um, and most of my clients right now actually are like, I would love to clean up my diet and get really toned, which is not a thing. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, then I want to be that person for you that can do both. That is not just like relying on my anatomy one and two education two years ago and, you know, trying to help you through this. And so, I, you know, 
I loved learning about it and I breezed through the nutrition modules, which was really fun. It made you feel really confident in your knowledge and (laughs) like the hip flexors and the anatomy of it. I was like, whoa, this is, I should have paid more attention to anatomy, but I loved learning it. And now I feel more confident in offering like my third package that I was able to add to the business on, you know, I can like, I do monthly packages, which was a personal decision. I started out with, you know, per advisement or per service charges, but I was like, but I'm doing so much more behind the scenes. I'm, you know, giving them recipes. I'm sending them motivation texts. I'm sending them newsletters. I'm like, where is that in this cost factor? Mm-hmm. And so I decided to do monthly packages. And in the one with the fitness, it's you get two services with me or two sessions with me. You get six or eight recipes. And you also get a four-week uh, fitness program that is to your needs. And so if you are a prenatal client and you just want to maintain a healthy weight and healthy exercise level, okay, we're doing that. And how many days a week do you want to um, exercise? Of course, with my advisement, if you're saying six, maybe let's go back a little bit. (laughs) And so we'll do three days and that's what is in this program. Or if you're weightlifting, that's in the program. And also because it's through me, it's not through some random program you bought online. It's built to progress. It's built to be individual, you know, taking your orthopedic issues into consideration. And the credential helped me also learn about the variations in orthopedic issues and variations in, you know, what age group should be focusing into certain things. Because when you're older, you need power. You need to be able to get out of your chair and that relies a lot on your hips. But that's going to be very different when I'm just, you know, advising a 20-year-old on how to maintain healthy bone mass, you know. So I really just wanted to go in further than what anatomy one and two would have taught me and then basically support myself because like give myself proof that I could educate my clients in that and then also when clients come to my page or my LinkedIn or wherever it is that they're seeing my credential is oh she's a certified personal trainer so like she she is able to give me this four-week program yeah that is that's a great thing to add to your packet to your program and I love that you have packages to address all the extra, all the extra work that goes into it. Cause pricing can be really difficult when you start your private practice. But I did want to ask specifically, um, about your, the test about the exam, the NDTR exam kind of, you studied for three weeks. What did you use? How did you tackle that? I mean, how did you deal with the anxiety, the stress and all of all of the things that come with taking the NDTR exam? Yeah. So it was definitely like, I had to give myself grace during that period for sure. Because especially like it's summer, I was taking two summer classes for my grad class or my grad program. And then I was also doing the business. And then I was like, okay, I have three weeks to study for this exam. (laughs) So I was like, okay, the business may have to go on the back burner for a second. I'll still attend to my actual clients but maybe we won't go so heavy in social media content and development all that stuff mm-hmm. and you know I was planning ahead I was doing all my schoolwork on two days of the week so that way I could do studying for three and um, I have a very strict work life balance that I've been able to maintain since January and as I don't work on the weekends whatsoever I don't do business on the weekends I don't do school on the weekends and if I need to work you know nine to seven p.m during during the actual work week that's fine with me but weekends are off and so I just basically was able to plan around that with the DTR studying and thank god for Amanda Kennedy who's my mentor, my best friend, this whole process, because she gave me all of her study materials. So I was also able to save costs in that way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I didn't realize how much of a blessing that was until I was like mid studying. I was like, thank God I have these flashcards. 
And so basically it was just like, I signed up for, I don't know what website it was, but you can get like a question a day. So I was like, okay, some days if I don't have time to study or, you know, if I forget to really like focus in, then I was, I did at least one question. That was like my minimum that I was able to meet. And then I studied all the flashcards in is it like the Mometrics? Is that what it is? Like that brand is or something? But all their flashcards I studied. And then I didn't personally like one particular study book. The one I loved was the DTR study book because um, that one actually followed the like outline of the test, which was able to help me focus more, I think, on kind of like what I was really trying to study for. And then I went on the CDR website and they have like a study guide they posted, which was just like outline of the subcategories that was going to be on the test, I made sure to fill all that in as I was reading the book being like, okay, so here they're talking about GI disorders. Let me put in the three and let me put in the details. And so I basically like filled that out as I was reading. That was like, I always have this phrase like in the pocket studying and like out of the pocket is when you're just reading words and you're not actually taking it in. But like in the pocket is like, I learned something tangibly during this session. And so that helped me in the pocket studying. That's good. That's, that's I like that in the pocket studying. I I am definitely have done a lot of passive studying in my past out of the pocket studying. So thank you for those tips. All right, Brianna, I have two more questions for you. We you've given us so much knowledge, and I I know I feel like people are going to be wondering how did you tackle the pricing for your packages? How are you tackling that conversation? Any advice or tips to people for pricing? Yeah, so just check out people in your area. And I know some people don't disclose, which is unfortunate because I mean, why draw someone in if they can't even pay for you, which is just, I feel like unfair. So um, just check the other dietitians in your area, especially a lot more people are going virtual now. So a lot of things will be advertised online. Um, I basically, you know, one of the Courtney Vickery is another private practice dietitian in my area. And so she has a three month package. And so I took that and I divided it by three and found a one month. And I was like, okay, well, she's a dietitian and she's also offering, you know, one more thing than me, but I was like, but I have grocery store walkthroughs and you know, this an extra thing, an extra thing. So it was less in cost due to my not dietitian credential, but it was comparable that, okay, I'm still providing these other services that don't include yours. And so I really just tried to compare. And I know a lot of other people gave me the same advice was just like, see what people are, you know, also offering. But at the same time, I was like, okay, this is not expensive. This is an investment for people. And they're getting a lot of extra benefits that they weren't, they wouldn't be able to Mm -hmm. trust on the internet. And I also always try to do some kind of incentive because people love a BOGO, people love a discount, you know? And so I have like a, you know, if you bring your friend, if you refer someone, they come in, you get $50 off your next month. Or if, um, you know, you sign up in the next month, you get a $25 off the next fitness program or something like that. So I always try to do some kind of like motivation and the referral one stays all the time because I want people, word of mouth is your strongest marketing. Yeah. And cause that again is your warm lead and people are going to be more trusting of that. So basically just really compare so you're not just outrageous, but also you're not like not even making any money at all. And um, pursuing private practice really helped kind of focus in on that. And also they have a very helpful graph that you can probably find on their page. And that's like coasting, scaling, growing. And that kind of concept was unfamiliar to me until they illustrated it. And I was like, okay, so I can't stay here forever. So while I think that my prices are a good standpoint right now, if I want to grow and I want to grow professionally nourished, 
that, that it can't stay there. It has to change or I have to do group classes or something like that because they put it in a way like right now you're providing time for money. Your one-on-one -on -one services is the direct one-to-one -one transaction. But eventually if you want to grow and reach more people, you have to stop doing the one-to-one. -one. And so I think that's something to keep in mind and also just stay confident in what you know and like your four years of a degree plus any masters that you've gotten plus more credentials, all of that goes into you know, supporting your cost because if, you know, people try to find it elsewhere, it's not coming from someone who's credentialed. Yeah. I love that. It sounds like price is not stagnant, so it's always going to change. And so you always need to be working on that and having that conver honest conversation with yourself and the resources you're putting out. So thank you for that. And so last thing to share with our audience, and I just want to open it up to you, any advice or, or thoughts or comments that you want to share with the NDTR audience? Yeah, so I think my number one advice is trust your education. I was so nervous for the DTR exam and I was like, I don't know anything. Like, can I even counsel these patients? Like, are you kidding me? I'm such a fraud, I'm so fake, you know, that imposter syndrome. But I had to keep telling myself, I just studied this for three to four years, depending on how long you were in your program. And I did well in my program. And, you know, this is just, my professor always said, show me what you know. And that DTR exam or the dietitian exam or whatever you're doing is just showing people what you know. And it's not, you know, some kind of test. It's not, you know, putting you to the ringer or whatever. It's showing what you know. So just trust your education. Like you have spent time and years and shadowing experience and hours into learning nutrition to help other people. And so just trust that. That is so good. And that's, that's so good. And it needs to be said because it's so easy to forget that everyone else isn't saturated in nutrition and they don't know simple things like a banana is a carb. Like that's what? So yeah. really, really good advice. Thank you so much for your time, Brianna, and all of the wisdom that you shared with us. Such an encouraging, you're so encouraging and the private practice, the nuggets you gave. I really hope that everyone enjoyed this spotlight. Make sure to follow Brianna online at Professionally Nourished. You can find her on Instagram, a website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even TikTok. So she is everywhere. Same title, Professionally Nourished. And we hope that you enjoyed this spotlight. Give it a comment, like it. Again, follow Brianna online and we'll see you in our next podcast.